Assalamu alaikum, family. It's your brother Ben X here with our good brother, uh, brother Ilya Rashad Muhammad. And we're going to be talking about uh, the nation of Islam, uh, his upbringing, and uh, how he came into the nation of Islam. And we're going to be talking about the reality of the so-called UFOs. We have seen videos on YouTube. We have seen videos on Facebook and Instagram of people talking about them. We've heard the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan speak about his vision um, and about the reality of the UFOs. We've read the Honorable Elijah Muhammad talk about them, but Brother uh, Ilya Rashad has done a great job on uh, staying on point with that topic and keeping us updated and giving us real knowledge about it uh, so that we can have an understanding uh, in this time period as well. So for those who don't know who you are, brother, um, who is Brother Ilya Rashad? <laughs> and uh, how did you come into the Nation of Islam? Brother Ilya Rashad Muhammad, born March 2nd. No, I'm not going to do all of that. <laughs> no, I, um, I come, like so many of us, from in the South anyway, from an evangelical family. My late mother, may she rest in peace, uh, was an evangelist in the Church of God in Christ. My father is still a deacon uh, in the Church of God in Christ. And we came up under the late Bishop G.E. Patterson. So my upbringing um, was very spiritual. It was rooted in a strong belief in the scriptures of the Bible. Um, and of course, my mother, some may know her as Wendy Renee. That was her stage name as she was a Stax recording artist. Mm. My mother was a recording artist with Stax and my father worked at Stax as a sound engineer. But around the time that I got born, they got saved, you know, so they uh, did everything they were doing with Stax. They just did it for the Lord. You know, my mother was still singing and evangelizing in the church. And my father was still to this day does sound engineering with the church. So at what age uh, did you first come in contact with the teachings? I actually came in contact with the teachings at a relatively early age. Uh, I was 14 when I first got exposed because my older brother went off to college and accepted Islam. And when he came back and my family was like a well-known family in the uh, local Church of God in Christ. So when my brother became a so-called Muslim, boy, that must have shook up the entire church, man. And, and really, I would even say the Church of God in Christ in this region and um, there was a whole lot. It was a lot of backlash coming up, you know, trying to study Islam in a household like that. You know, my parents um, thinking they were doing what was best, you know, with threw away a lot of my books and things like that, that I had to sneak into the house. I had to sneak in final call newspapers in the house because, you know, in my household, there was look, y'all, that's some devil stuff right. as far as they were concerned. But. Thankfully, over time, both my parents uh, realized that, you know what, it's something to that brother Farrakhan and whatever they doing, because as crazy and as ignorant as I was to see me be able to do what I'm doing and have grown as I have grown and continue to grow. It truly is remarkable for those that knew me. So um, that in a nutshell is my upbringing, several brothers and sisters, um, 
And I was early. I was uh, 14 when I first got exposed to the teachings. But I accepted when I was like 18, fresh out of high school and, and starting college is when I uh, accepted. So many people have similar stories about the parents. Um, what was your mindset? How did you get through that, knowing that they were storing this stuff away? Uh, what was it about the teaching that attracted you that made you say, although they throwing away, man, I'm finna sneak it into the house, you know, <laughs> because, uh, you know, a lot of times, you know, it has to be something that allows you to say, hey, because I remember one time the minister said, um, you know, God don't pluck the whole family. He may pluck one out of a whole family. He said, he said, when you know that you born for something, he said, if your mama turned against you, you don't even care. So what was it about the teaching that attracted you so much that you stayed with it, although they were throwing stuff away? Because even at an early age, I had never seen or heard anything in my life that captured my attention and my heart like that. Now, keep in mind, I'm a teenager who, you know, not doing too good in school. Um, And so I'm not going to just read something. You know, teachers had to make me read stuff and I barely did that, (laughs) which is why I failed English so many years. But um, I got exposed to the Final Call newspaper and other materials that my brother that I got from my brother. And I'm like, man, why isn't nobody talking about this? You know, and it was just so superior, so much more superior than anything I was learning in school, anything I was learning in the church, unfortunately. And. The more that I questioned and learned, even at an early age, the more it just it sparked my interest to the point that I was willing, if I had to get put out, not knowing where I would go, I wanted to know more about this and I wanted to be a Muslim. (laughs) Praise be to Allah. So um, hearing first about what age were you when you first heard about the UFOs and what was your first thoughts when you first heard about it? Now, around the time I heard something about it, when I was about 14 or so, but that was like a blur. But it was when I, around 18 or so, when I first revisited the teachings, and this is in the 90s, mid to early 90s, and I heard about it, didn't have any evidence for it because internet and all of that wasn't as vast as it is now. Um, And my minister, local minister, formerly known as Minister Anthony Muhammad, who just received the holy name of Abdul Muthakir Muhammad, mm. in 96, when the movie Independence Day came out, Brother Muthakir offered a lecture explaining and showing some VHS footage of a NASA recorded UFO and the explanation was like, wow, this is done. It's uh, so realistic. We're not talking about aliens or anything like that. We're talking about man-made crafts that just so happen to have been constructed by human beings on this earth who are more superior than, quote unquote, the white man. Praise be to Allah. And so with the with the UFOs, was there anything in particular that made you say this is not saying that that's your only lane, but you do do a lot of work with the UFOs. What made you so interested in uh, doing a lot of work in that area? Because I knew that 
for so many decades, the nation of Islam had been mocked and ridiculed back in the day for our belief in these crafts. But now that technology has allowed us and allowed humanity to capture so much photographs and video footage, I'm not talking about the CGI's and computer generated right. mess that you see everywhere, but there have been countless millions of incidents and sightings and photographs and authentic footage that, you know, really prove and vindicate everything the Honorable Elijah Muhammad said is absolutely right and exact. He and the Nation of Islam were the ones teaching about these things before anybody. Right. And to this day, the Nation of Islam remains the only entity to give definitive information about what the world calls UFOs. They call them unidentified when the Honorable Elijah Muhammad and the nation identified this reality back in the 30s. Before the term UFO even became a thing, before the term flying saucer even became a thing. So um, at a certain point, I'm realizing that with all the data and evidence that these planes exist, just as the Honorable Elijah Muhammad presented to us, in my mind, I'm like, well, <laughs> this proves everything this man is saying to be true. Mm -hmm. If his God showed him this wheel and its 1,500 smaller wheel-shaped crafts and gave him the intricate details and information about them, um, everything from who controls them, where it was built, why it was built, who pilots them, all of this type of stuff. And I'm like, well, the evidence is here. So let's present the evidence and dare the world, the world of scholars, the world of political, scientific, academic, religious scholars to try and disprove this reality that the Honorable Elijah Muhammad uh, presented as being proof of his God in person. Praise be to Allah. So uh, back to the uh, upbringing. At what point did your uh, parents find out that you didn't stop learning about the Nation of Islam? <laughs> I think it was pretty obvious. It, they got hints when I wouldn't eat the hog that they had <laughs> prepared for dinner most of the time. Um, but they noticed that I was spending more time outside of foolishness. And anytime your child is reading that didn't necessarily read for the most part, I think that makes parents be like, OK, well, what is it about this stuff this boy's into, you know? And um, at a certain point, it was college because I moved out of my parents' house and I was actually staying with my grandmother at the time. And now I'm freer to be able to visit the mosque to read, to study, to all of that. And so uh, as I was in college and I was staying out of my parents' house, I was able to grow and everything. And so when I would come home to my parents, the conversations would be a little different, you know, still a little, you know, argumentative, so to speak. But the fact that what I was saying and in my argument, it was still biblically based. So they could relate. And now I'm showing things to them 
uh, in the Bible that they were like, whoa, how, how you know that? You know, so I think when they saw that it was no turning back for me that, look, you can't unconvince me that this is the truth. That's like trying to tell somebody that two plus two equals five. You right. know, I mean, come on. After you have been shown the truth and you can prove it because it's so mathematically sound, then uh, it's no unconvincing that. So they, they knew they knew that boy Farrakhan had my boy at that point. <laughs> so what uh, what advice would you give for somebody coming into the Nation of Islam that is dealing with that? Um, because that is definitely a reality that I get all the time, which is why I went back to that. You know, people reach out and say, man, my parents, they don't, they don't agree with it. And at that age, you know, you can't just leave the house cause you don't know nothing about making no money. You know, um, you, you ain't cooking your own food. So when they tell you, well, you know, I made a little skit one time and I said, uh, it was a child that was, that was living and he started listening to Farrakhan and he stopped eating pork. And he said, well, you better go eat at Farrakhan's house, nigga, cause you ain't going to be able to eat here. So, <laughs> what that's if, how parents talk. <laughs> so, so what advice would you give to a young brother that's not able to just go be independent because his parents disagree and they like, cause I was told I could listen to the minister in the house. You know, we don't listen to Farrakhan in this house. We don't listen to nothing, but we don't listen to Farrakhan in this house. So what advice would you give to a young brother or sister coming up in that kind of situation? Starting off, love your parents and don't be stupid enough to disrespect your parents. And Islam, when as we mature and become wise, we understand that, you know, we have to be strategic. Um, we have to love our parents. We're in their household and... We, we have to be strategic in that we can't feel like we're trying to force Islam on anybody. Right. You know, and after all is said and done, even if your parents or whoever you're with tries to beat you, tries to beat the Islam out of you, you know, they can't stop the truth. You know, so we do all our best and all that's within our intelligence to love respect our parents' household, respect the household that uh, has authority over us. Um, as long as things don't truly conflict with our religion or the principles thereof. And not to say that that's easy. You know, that can be a pretty difficult thing now. Mm -hmm. But um, I think if you listen to the experiences of me, you and several countless thousands of believers who have gone through the same thing, most of them will say pretty much the same thing. Look, don't don't do it like that. Don't try to argue with your parents. Don't get uh, all berated and things like that. Just, you know, be a Muslim. Try to live by example. And and is there anything that you were that you can recall that they heavily disagree with that you was able to kind of show them and kind of not convert them, but kind of get them to understand over time? And if so, what is it? Ooh. And see, th this is I can't think of one particular thing because we there were so many <laughs> arguments and discussions, you know, over Jesus and the truth of Jesus and things like that. And one thing that I learned, this is not just dealing with parents, but this is dealing with so many of our people. It doesn't matter if you present the actual fact, provable truth right before our people's eyes. People who believe going to believe what they want to believe, you know, 
We know that in the nation of Islam. There are so many aspects to our teachings where, look, we can prove to you with sound evidence certain points. But our people, for the most part, are not going to readily accept based on the merit of truth and evidence. Our people uh, believe, first and foremost, what sounds good to them. Unfortunately, we've been conditioned like that. Kind of like a person who's been eating junk food all their lives. You know, you become conditioned to eat and desire the junk food. So when somebody comes and presents some nutritious bean soup and nutritious vegetables and things like that, they'd be like, man, get that away from me. That stuff nasty. Might cuss you out, you know. They might even throw up. Even though the food is nutritious, the fact is they've been conditioned to accept junk. And unfortunately, our people have been spiritually and mentally, psychologically conditioned to accept falsehood. Mm. I mean, just think about it. We still, grown people believe that three, look at how mathematically unsound it is to believe that three uh, go into one. (laughs) You know, (laughs) when you try to explain the Trinity, I mean, it doesn't make sense. You know, so how do you prove that in a respectful way? You know what I mean? So those kind of things. And then matter of fact, that's one of those arguments I remember having with my parents. Mm. Yeah, you I know, think a lot of I got to meet three in the one and all of this kind of stuff, you know. Absolutely. So uh, so I know that you are a brother who's been around the minister, um, had means with the minister, had that privilege. Is there anything? Uh, well, I'll say it like this. What is the best advice advice that he's given you that you're able to share uh, that has impacted your life? I'm pretty sure that's, th- you know, maybe a lot. <laughs> but if there's anything, Man, the most powerful thing that you can remember off head that he's given to you, what, what would you say that is? Yeah. Now, now, you know, that's unfair to try to think of something <laughs> that's the most powerful when every word that comes from that man's lips is extremely, extremely powerful. But what I will do is I will mention what comes to mind. And this is something that comes to mind. I was blessed to um, be with the minister and we were talking about this topic, UFOs and the Nation of Islam. Uh, we were talking about my book. And he was giving me, he was just lauding, showing so much love. I mean, the Honorable Minister Farrakhan literally had joyful tears in his eyes telling me that Allah put it on my heart to study this and telling me that um, the way we, that I was blessed to represent the Father and the God of this magnificent phenomena called the will. He said, oh, brother, your research is stellar. And later on, he gave me some good critiques that were, you know, it seems so simple, but this advice and guidance just so profound to me. You know, it's the stuff that seems like it's so simple that's like, that's so deep. Right. There was something that I had written in the first edition of the book. And I was going into something, some case that somebody said they saw and did and all of this type of stuff. And the minister said, um, told me this. He said, brother, your job is not to try to explain 
what somebody else said mm. or may have thought they came up with. You know what I mean? Your job is to explain him wow. talking about the teaching, talking about the honorable Elijah Muhammad and the truth that he brought. So as simple as that sounds, you know, when you're dealing with not just the subject of UFOs, but anything of value, our job is not to go and take somebody else's interpretation and try to get what somebody else said and try to explain it. For example, somebody could easily make up a lie, as they do all the time, and say that they were abducted by three little green men and this and such happened and whatnot. What the hell am I going to sit up and try to explain what he probably made up or likely did make up? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And try to fit that into, man, no. My job is to show the validity and truth of what the Honorable Elijah Muhammad was revealed to him by God in person and the truth that Minister Farrakhan represents. So something as simple as that, man, is just so, so profound to me, man. And I take that because uh, as I've been blessed to have discussions with scholars and non-scholars alike, they will often bring up something that has nothing to do with, you know, what the Honorable Elijah Muhammad represents. Don't tell me to try to explain some green men that don't even exist, that there's no proof of. Don't tell me to talk about some aliens and they, there's no proof of the so-called aliens that they talk about. You know, that's some Hollywood stuff. So I'm not going to waste my time trying to explain uh, some stuff you just made up. You know what I mean? Peace, family. Thank you for checking out the Brother Ben X podcast. Many people are wondering. What can I do now since digital real estate closed on October the 1st? I still want to learn how to make money on social media. I still want to learn how to market and I still want to learn how to build my brand. Well, there's one more way that you can do it. It's a couple ways, but I want to tell you all about the ABS tribe. The ABS tribe is weekly coaching every Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday and Friday for only $50 a month. If you are looking for accountability, if you're looking for a group of people that's willing to inspire you, help you out, support you, encourage you, you want to get inside of our ABS tribe because every Tuesday and Thursday, me and Brother Jake or one of our more top million dollar friends or six figure friends are on teaching you every single week. If you want to join the ABS tribe, go to www.whatisabstribe.com. www.whatisabstribe.com. Com. No, I want to prove to you that the teachings of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad is right and exact. Absolutely. When it comes to the teachings of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad, why do you believe or know that the teachings is right for the black man and woman, especially during this time? What about the teachings do you think is going to get them? Whew. You know what? The fact that everything the Honorable Elijah Muhammad taught and what Minister Farrakhan has been teaching his heart out for the last several decades are coming to pass right before our eyes in plain sight. It's like unless you have literally been under a rock and have no clue of anything Minister Farrakhan or the nation represents, then you would be lost if that's the case. But to see everything that's happening unfolding just as these men have been telling us. You would have to be a fool to deny that. And 
I noticed that many people, some well-respected ones, religious leaders, church leaders, uh, since this um, apocalyptic pandemic has been taking place, I've had many of them call me. Mm. These are deacons in major churches in the area. Hey, brother, brother, brother Rashad, what's uh, what brother Farrakhan saying about this whole thing? Yep. You see, because deep in their heart of hearts, they know who the man of God is. You know, they know who has the guidance for these troubled times. They know who's been on the front line of teaching the judgment of God. They Minister Farrakhan and the nation hadn't been teaching or what's that a prosperity gospel like the rest of these evangelists and things like that have. No, they've been preparing us specifically for the time that we are living in. And that, in truth, is messianic, according to both the Bible and the Holy Quran. Mm. Part of the Messiah's job is to expose people to the truth of God, the truth of their enemies and the truth of the judgment of God, the plagues thereof. And if we pay attention to what's going on in the world and if we pay attention to the words of the Honorable Minister Farrakhan, look, we would be lucky, you know, because we would have guidance to get out of this thing. So what that man is representing and what is taking place um, from the prophecies and what's taking place in the world, it's going hand in hand. And we better open our eyes, man, to realize that Farrakhan ain't just up here talking, trying to make himself sound good. Right. This man has been on the front line warning his people of this time. Yes, sir. One of my favorite lectures of yours, actually, is a lecture you had. I don't know. It was an old one. And it was called uh, Elijah Muhammad's God Must Be God. I love that uh, that series that you did. I think you did a very great job at that. And the reason I say I wanted to bring that up is because when it pertains to the nation of Islam, of course, because of the, the conscious community or because of what they seen growing up in Christianity, people like, man, hey, man, I like, you know, I like what y'all doing, man, but I don't know about this guy stuff. I don't believe in God, all this, you know, God and Jesus stuff. So for a young brother who don't understand that we're not saying we're not speaking of God in the same tense of what we heard coming up in Baptists or right. things of that nature. When they say, brother, brother, Ilya, man, I like what you be saying. I like the work y'all doing, bro. But I just can't get down, brother, because I don't believe in God. What would your response be to a brother like that? Thank you. Thank you. Well, when people say that, as you just alluded to, most people say that because they have become disappointed, disattached and even disenfranchised with um, organized religion and organized religion for the most part, represents a spook God. What they have to understand for those who think like that and say that is that the nation of Islam does not represent a spook God, some ethereal God who's unattainable. You don't know nothing about him. He's such a mystery, you know, um, because that's how Satan has deceived the whole world. He's deceived the whole world by deceiving people about God making God a spook, making God a mystery, making God a nothingness. And this is not just in Christianity. Hell, this is in religion, period. Mm -hmm. So this is why in the book of Revelation, it talks about at a certain point, the mysteries of God will be finished. The nation of Islam represents 
that finishing the mystery of God because we don't represent a spook. We tell you that God came in person, taught Elijah Muhammad and gave him information and guidance that will get us through to this thing. And if you study the history of Elijah Muhammad and his representative and Minister Farrakhan, you would have to say that these men could not do what they do and be as successful as they are with the whole world most powerful opposition against them and still be able to thrive and teach and do these things that they're doing. Even if you don't believe in no kind of God or religion whatsoever, you would have to, your intelligence would force you to admit that there has to be a supreme power behind Brother Farrakhan and behind the, the Honorable Elijah Muhammad and the Nation of Islam. There's no ex explainable way that these men could do what they do, say what they say, prove what they prove, and not be backed by a divine power that is more superior than anything in this world. That's the God we serve. So if you don't believe in that God, then you don't believe in mathematics. You don't believe in science. You don't believe in reality. You see? Absolutely. Uh, I see the family say they want to learn about the will, but I want y'all to I want y'all to, to understand how I do my podcast. I always want to go into uh, and build rapport with the with the person because it's more than just the information. We are all God, so we want to learn from him what's his thoughts on certain things because there's believers that have these questions. There are people who are unbelievers who have this question. So we're discussing the Nation of Islam and the UFO, so just be patient. We're going to get into that. Um, my my uh my next question is um and then we're going to get to the ufos actually after this when it comes to defending because you do a great job as well at defending against the adl and all of the things that people are saying about the honorable minister louis farrakhan being that we're online you know there's not as much structure as a mosque you know it's not necessarily you report a brother online we always think oh well it's online it's my profile it's my facebook so when it comes to defending the minister based on what you know about the minister, how should we move out as a defense? How should we move out as a collective so that we're also making the minister proud in how we're defending him? And so when we're people talking about him on YouTube, when they're talking about him in the newspapers, when they talk about him after Savior's Day, based on what you know about the minister, how do you think or if he's explained we should move out in defending him in the nation? Thank you. Thank you. As with everything in nature and everything that, of, that is of God, it is truly organized. So we in the Nation of Islam have protocols. We have strategies. Um, we have even routines to some degree in place as to how we defend, you know, each other. And much of how we should operate is reflected according to the Holy Quran and the Bible. Really, it's reflected in the signs of nature. You know, I'm a beekeeper and I study the bees. And when bees are under attack, they don't just go out randomly and attack something just to be doing it. In fact, they bee honeybees aren't even aggressive, really. The only time they're aggressive is when they feel as though they're being aggressed upon or something is endangering the colony or the nation or the queen, its leader. And even then, there's a strategy, there's protocols whereby the bees attack 
and defend their colony. Same thing with the ants. You know, so nature lets us know that we don't just go about and uh, do things our own way. When we are part of the nation of Islam, we are also part of a military structure. And this should not surprise anyone who is familiar with, say, uh, the scriptures or uh, Bible, Holy Quran, because all throughout the scriptures and the prophecies, whenever God raised a messenger, he also uh, provided that messenger with a message and a communal structure around that message. So when he raised Moses, he didn't want people to just believe Moses and go about their own business. No, they wanted God wanted the people to be a part of the structure that Moses had for them. Mm. So he had captains. He had sentinels. You know, he had soldiers. <laughs> In fact, he wanted those soldiers and the people to follow him. You weren't going to be successful if you stayed on the Pharaoh's way. You needed to follow some discipline along with Moses. Same thing with Jesus and all the prophets and messengers. Jesus had disciples. To be a disciple means that you are disciplined, you know, in the teachings of that master. Mm -hmm. With the prophet Muhammad, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and the early caliphate, that was, that was structure and protocol in place. Military structures. And even this leads to, in a sense, the will, because in the scriptures, when you hear about God, especially in the Old Testament, he's referred to as the Lord of hosts. I did not know what that term meant, biblically speaking, until really a few years ago. Mm. When you hear that term Lord of hosts, it often comes from a term Yahuwah Saba or Jehovah Zaba, which is really means the Lord of armies. So even God got goons or <laughs> army. You know what I mean? God has a military structure. The Honorable Elijah Muhammad said that if your religion is not based on the universal order of things, then you have no religion. So if your religion is true, if you are truly of God, then it should follow a natural order of things. So this is why when we are in the nation of Islam and go about defending the nation, whether verbally or otherwise, you know, we don't do it in such a rash way. We're not to. And even when we're on social media, we have to understand that, yes, I'm an individual. I'm brother Peter. I'm brother Rashad. I'm sister so-and-so. But we are still a part of the nation. We belong to Allah. We are literally Allah's property. So yes, I have my own personality and things like that. But at the end of the day, I'm a statesman and diplomat for my nation. I'm a soldier. I'm a patriot for my nation. So, and I'm gonna end with this. I know I talk a lot, Brother Ben. Oh, we got, I got time. <laughs> <laughs> Back to the bees, you know, the bees, they all have different roles. They are workers. They have different roles. And those roles change throughout the short lifespan of each individual bee. However, when the bee or the colony is attacked, at that moment, all of those different roles that all of these different bees are doing 
at that moment of attack, the bees send a pheromone and instantaneously all of their roles change to become defenders of the nation. And they will give their life. They will give all that they have to defend the purity of that nation, of that colony. And that's a sign as to how we should be. Yes, we are individuals. We have our own things going on. We have our own roles to play. But when the nation is under an existential attack, we all put on that soldier's cap. Yes, I'm a doctor, but I'm a soldier. I'm a lawyer, but I'm a soldier. I'm a farmer. I'm an engineer. I'm a nurse. I'm a janitor. You know, but when it's we're under attack, we in soldier mode then. Yes, sir. Um, what is the purpose of the wheel for those who don't know? Oh, wow. Now you're getting heavy, boy. <laughs> and, and I'm going to try to answer that as simple as I possibly can. The wheel has, you could say, dual purpose, dual natures. Part of its purpose is represents the destruction of this satanic world, its systems, its paradigms, its wickedness, its corruption. But the other purpose is for the ushering in of a true new world, which is the kingdom of God on earth, as it is described as peace forevermore and all of these things. So in short, it represents the destruction of the wicked, but it also represents eternal life, healing, true prosperity. And the true prosperity and healing and peace forevermore cannot truly exist as Allah would fully intended until the destruction of Satan's world and Satan's authority. Yes, sir. Thank you, Brother uh, Lakeem, for your support. Brother Ronder says, can you ask the brother if he's ever experienced a personal moment with the wheel? <laughs> you know what? What you'll find, Brother Ben, and for all of those asking questions, Brother Ilya Rashad, I'm kind of a I'm a realist. You know, I'm one of those brothers that's I'm not spooky. I'm spiritual, but I'm not spooky. Have I seen some of uh, the smaller wheels, I have seen smaller wheels before. I have not seen the larger mother wheel, not knowingly anyway. And I say not knowingly because we're taught that the wheels are able to disguise themselves and you wouldn't even know that it was there. Mm. The Honorable Elijah Muhammad said they can hide as stars. So you might be thinking you're looking at a star. You might be looking at the wheel and don't know it. You may think you're looking at a cloud and it could be the wheel for all that we know. Mm -hmm. um, but I have seen the uh, some baby planes on a few occasions. But in terms of like a grandiose experience, like I'm taken up and no. But what I will say is that in one sense, I have because I know and I'm taught by and I'm blessed to behold the representative of that wheel. See, a lot of people really try to spook out a topic like this. This is the most practical, pragmatic teaching of God on earth. This is the most mathematically realistic teaching of God on earth. You're dealing with a God who has proven himself 
in the real world by uh, the presence of a man-made plane that's superior than any other plane. So it's not that the wheels have to come and be seen in order for us to be affected by it. Minister Farrakhan is the representative of that wheel. The Nation of Islam represents the power of that wheel. So if we were to follow the guidance that Minister Farrakhan is giving us, then we are certainly affected and having an experience with the wheel. Mm. You know, there's nothing spooky about it. And this is something that I've noticed with a lot of people because I'll go to different cities, I'll present all the evidence, and it's really, not to brag, but it's really incontestable. You can't argue the fact that Elijah Muhammad met the supreme being, God, and represents this. Based on what we've been blessed to research and present, you can bring me your most brilliant scholar on earth, and they cannot defeat this truth. It's just that practical, you know? But people think just because I I hadn't seen the wheel, and until the wheel show up at my doorstep, I ain't gonna believe it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So we have we take a very childish approach to understanding God. And the Holy Quran frequently tells us about those characteristics among disbelieving people. You know, I think he was talking about Moses and one of the other prophets said that, look, I don't care how much signs and evidence I give them, they still not going to believe, you know. So we're dealing with a people with a mindset like that. So they think that in order to uh, recognize that the wheel exists, that they have to see it personally right in front of their door, despite all the evidence, the tons of evidence that prove otherwise, you know. But the truth is, if you want to benefit from the wheel, the wheel don't have to come down and shoot down raids and all this type of stuff. Mm-hmm. The wheel has a representative, a bona fide representative in the Honorable Minister Farrakhan. So if you're not willing to heed the guidance that he represents, then you're not willing to benefit from what the wheel offers. Mm, that's a good point. When it yeah. comes to the wheel, uh, I can't remember the age. Is the age six when it was trained to 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 operate the wheel? So this is going to be like a three, four, because I want to get it out. Uh, at what age was it that they said they started to learn how to operate the wheel? Um, the technology on the wheel, does that have anything to do with uh, the minister or us being able to, you know, at one point in the hereafter look 16 or uh, appear 16 years old? And uh, Brother Lakeem says, what's the average lifespan of our family on the wheel? <laughs> I'll start with the age question uh, first. You know, when I had a I had a discussion early on, shortly after I published the book UFOs and the Nation of Islam, and I was blessed to have um, conversations with the Honorable Minister Farrakhan, and that was that was one of the critiques. It was like four things, four really simple things in the book that he pointed out to me that I ended up updating. One of those was the question of how old were the children when they were being taught and trained to be pilots and operate the wheel and things like that. And I had always heard six, Mm -hmm. but the minister had brought it to my attention that he doesn't think that it was necessarily six. It could have been four, four years old, 
when the children were starting to be taught. So um, the point is, they were taught at a very early age, (laughs) you know. Um, And this is why we have to be very careful of the sources of our information. You know how the Holy Quran says that uh, whenever an unrighteous man brings you news, look carefully into it, lest you harm a people and then be sorry for what you did. You know, as researchers and particularly his research team and staff, we have to be particularly careful as to the source whereby we get our research. I had quoted something that came and the minister is so meticulous. He is so divinely guided. You know, he went through my book and gave me such forthright insight. Um, There was some material that I had quoted from um, that was an unofficial document, supposedly, from the Nation of Islam that's supposed to be about the wheel. Mm. And I had seen this and you probably seen it and other people's like some documents that's supposed to be from uh, about the wheel from the lessons or something like that, man, that, that, there's no authority that that's, you know, from the lessons or from us. People come up with stuff, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? So the minister had cautioned me to be very careful where I get my sources from, you know, because um, there were some things um, in that document that I heard people saying that became almost like NOI legend. Mm-hmm. And NOI doesn't operate based on legend. We operate based on actual facts. You know, that's what we're taught. <laughs> so um, the age, that's why I had to be very careful with that. The age, I'm not certain if it was six or four, but it was a very young age, somewhere in that part. As far as the um, lifespan of those on the wheel, I couldn't give a quantitative number to be exact. Oh, yeah, it's 200 years. No, I couldn't do that. But what we do know is that it's way longer than what we got going on down here (laughs) for right now. And the reason is because on the wheel, it is new vegetation, new life. And you have those acting under the direct tutelage of God himself, you know. So uh, life, as and the Holy Quran talks about, you know, this place and time in the gardens when uh, it seems like they won't even be altering in age. You see, almost like they're ageless. That's indicative of what's taking place on the wheel. And when we take heed to the guidance that's on that wheel, we too will um, manifest those characteristics right here on this earth. That's the whole point. The whole point is not for the wheel to come and scoop everybody to live on the wheel. That's never been the point. The point is for the wisdom, the technology, the life, the peace, that the purity that's uh, contained within the wheel will one day take place on earth. And this pun is intended. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Yeah, I slid that in there. (laughs) 
So many people ask me, Brother Ben asks, man, how do I know that you're going live? How do I know when you're producing a podcast? And I saw you also just made $130,000 in two days. Well, there's a way that you guys can get informed from us via text message. All you have to do is text 50K to 210-504-4094, and we'll give you more information with free game, and we'll let you guys know how we made $130,000 in two days. Text the word 50K to 210-504-4094. We'll give you updates, notifications, and let you guys know how we made $130,000 in two days. Peace. Yes, uh, man. Shout out to Brother Jacoby uh, for helping set up this interview. He, and he also <laughs> reminded us that the link to the GoFundMe for the UFO documentary, so-called UFO documentary, is in the description and it is pinned to the comments section at the top. Did you hit all those questions? You got all those? I think you see with age, life altering. Was it something else about life? Oh, the techno- it was about the technology on the wheel. Is that a part of the, the appearing to be 16 again, that, that, that teaching? Is that official teaching from the, from the nation? The, the technology, the wisdom, the vegetation, the habits, the lifestyle, all of that plays a part into uh, why those on the wheel uh, and why we eventually will be able to manifest those characteristics and become almost uh, ageless, so to speak. Okay. And so uh, you already, you actually hit on it because I've been looking for it. Uh, what a minister was speaking about the wheel, because there are some people who think that, oh, uh, we waiting on the wheel. Uh, when the wheel coming, when the mothership coming, they believe that uh, we all going to fit on the wheel. Like all of us is going to fit on this wheel and it's going to take us off. And that's kind of what everybody waiting on when America's destroyed. We all going to fit on the wheel and we going to another place. So can you explain and clean all that up? Thank you. And what you would have to ask those who think like that and many believers, unfortunately, have that mindset. The question is, where did you get that from? The Honorable Elijah Muhammad never said that we going to all go up on the woman. I that's where do we get that from? See, that is a part of Hollywood and the enemy's folklore entering into um, the truth. We're literally mixing truth with falsehood. And now we start to take on a belief system that is not even rooted in what the Honorable Elijah Muhammad gave us. Mm. You see, um, we actually bring in some of those spooky uh, belief systems that we had you know, respectively in the church and things like that, some concept of a rapture, you mm-hmm. know, that's not even mentioned in the Bible, but we bring those folklorish ideas to the nation of Islam. So the Honorable Elijah Muhammad and the Honorable Minister Farrakhan wants to cleanse us of those. You know, he wants to give us a mathematical theology. I'm reminded of words from the Honorable Elijah Muhammad in the Theology of Time lecture series. He said, and I'm almost quoting it, not exact, though. He says, I just want to teach you science. And he was grieving over that because he's challenged with teaching the people the truth of God, the truth of the time and what must be done, the truth of the devil, the truth of the judgment, all of these things, but he's teaching a people who've been, who've adopted a spooky mindset, who think the way that their enemy wants them to think. 
who don't think with a mathematical sound mind, who don't think based on the laws of cause and effect. So the Honorable Elijah Muhammad and the minister as his representative are faced with these challenges of giving people a rational, more than logical truth that is grounded in evidence, but you have to give this truth to a people who expecting something real spooky, you know? <laughs> That's why so many people can't accept the wisdom of the Honorable Minister Farrakhan and the Honorable Elijah Muhammad, because in their mind, they think that the man of God should be floating around somewhere, you know? He's going to be doing magic tricks and all this kind of stuff. And they can't listen to the plain evidential truth coming from these men because they've been led to believe that God's messenger Messiah is going to be floating somewhere, <laughs> you know. And that's why Allah says in the Quran and in the Bible, you know, what type of man is this? He goes about in the marketplace. See, the people are amazed that the man of God is human like them, black like them does things that they do because they've been so spooked out by the enemy, by religion, that they can't accept the plain truth in plain sight. With the teaching that um, it would destroy America, um, I'm pretty sure there are many thinking, will we get a warning before this happens? And if so, what is the teaching when it comes to black people getting a warning or anybody getting a warning? Uh, because we know that America is going to be destroyed, but we're obviously still in America. So we don't want to get burnt up. We don't want to be shot up, whatever the case may be. So what is the teaching when it comes to that? The truth is, we've already been given warning for the past 90 years, so it seems, you know, warning after warning after warning. The nation's. Um, program is based on a warning type message, warning of the judgment of God, warning of the time and what we must do in accord with that time. So we've already been warned to the nth degree, but as the wheels become, I guess, more manifest, um, we are taught that before certain aspects of the destruction will take place, that there will be scientists or teachers um, with certain information that they will be giving to those, particularly those who believe. And they will be questioning those who believe, you know, or those who are with the Honorable Elijah Muhammad when that day comes and guiding them out of the destruction. They will give them information that will uh, lead them out of the destruction. Um, I think I heard that it would be in the form of leaflets or something like that, mm -hmm. you know. Um, and they would ask him in, in words, who are you with? You know, are you with America? You over here trying to vote Democrat or Republican? You worried about voting or are you worried about going the way of God? You see? So in truth, that is the warning that we've already been given since 1930. Who will survive the war of Armageddon? Will it be, you know, uh, those who with America that represents slavery, suffering and death? Or will it be those who follow submission to the will of God, which leads to freedom 
justice and equality. Mm. So, yeah, you've been given the warning. In your study of the will, I know there's an article by Mother Tynetta that talks about um, the ringing of the ear that the Honorable Elijah Muhammad talked about. And uh, I think it was like you'll be walking in the grocery store and you'll hear a ringing of the ear. Is this ringing of the ear, of the ear that communication, uh, is that connected to the will at all? It could be because the Honorable Elijah Muhammad taught that those scientists or angels, as they are also called, human beings, mind you, not aliens, not beings from some ethereal. No, they're human beings from this earth. I'm saying that for the guests who may not know uh, the truth about these wheels. But those wheels are piloted by people from this earth, many of whom the Honorable Elijah Muhammad knew personally. Mm. They're scientists, also known as angels. And he taught that these scientists knew how to what he calls tune in. Like a radio in the head, so to speak. Mm. Or as they call it in modern science, telepathy and telekinesis and all of this kind of things. They communicate and can operate things, including the wheels or these baby planes, so-called UFOs, are operated uh, through their minds. So they can tune in. They are able to read minds and they can project thoughts in someone else's mind. Mm. These are very, very powerful uh, beings, and there's no magic, nothing like that. It's science. It's just a science that we've not become privy to, you know, because we're still living under this corrupt system and everything. But those who operate the wheels, they are able to tune in. And the Honorable Elijah Muhammad even said that you can do it. Mm. He even gave recommendations if you want to test it out and test out the powers that each of us have. Now, there are a lot of prerequisites that go into it with that goes into eating right, thinking right, praying, living right. But he said even test it out, go into a quiet place, you know, a quiet place off to yourself. And I think he said, close your eyes and really try to tune in. And he even gave an example. He was like, try to tune in to the wheels and. Uh, the motors of the wheels or something like that. And he was like, this is how you uh, can do it. He said, nothing spooky. Back in the day, this is how we used to communicate. We didn't have to have physical cell phones or mobile phones and things like that. Back when we were in our godly state before our fall, several thousand years ago, of course, you know, this is how the original man communicated through this uh, tuning in or telepathy. And don't you know that on so many of the authentic so-called UFO abduction cases, they have uh, the abductees have explained that those people aboard those circular crafts communicated with them telepathically. Amalaj Muhammad had already told and gave the criteria for that. But he also said that we can try it, too. And I think that. With all that's taken place with this pandemic and the plagues that will likely become worse, I think as believers in uh, I think we might want to start trying out that, you know, testing out our abilities. Let's eat right. Let's think right. Let's live right. And let's practice. 
I think, and I'll end with this part. If I can remember, I think it's easier to send out a message, you know, in terms of tuning in than it is to receive a message. Mm. I forget. But the point is, it's a possibility that is latent within us. And everybody listening to this podcast at some point has had experiences like these. They've had a dream or something like that. And then maybe a few days later, they walk into something, they see something, hear something that's exactly the thing they saw in their dream. What they call it, deja vu and all this type of stuff. And what that likely is, is our mind, which is we don't even know how to control this majestic mind. What that is, is likely our mind on autopilot, the majesty of this God-given mind being able to project things in the future. And that's like a sign of what's in us. Mm. We do it unconsciously. But when we were when we are back to our right mind, we will be able to do that at will. Wow. That actually takes me to my question I was going to ask. When the minister was going to Iran, I think he talked about um, he wasn't sure if this was the right move. And you can correct me if I'm wrong. And then he said he got a thought and the thought gave him the confirmation that he was doing the right thing. I think it was about telling them who the MACD was. He got like he said he had a thought. So yeah. my question to you would be then, does God communicate through us through our thoughts and how do we decipher? Is it deceptive intelligence that we're using <laughs> Or is it that or is it or to know when it's from God himself giving us that thought and that's him, you know, giving us a message. Matter of fact, that is how Allah communicates with us, Mm. you know, through our thoughts. He gave us a brain for a reason. Even when we read the Quran and we are inspired by the wisdom and guidance of this majestic revelation, that's still communicating through thought, you know. Sometimes that thought can be absent of you reading. It could be, who knows, in a dreamlike state or what have you. But the Holy Quran says, tells us that Allah is closer to us than our own juggler vein. Mm. So if Allah is closer to us than our juggler vein, then you can't get too much closer than that. That means that Allah is in us and, and with us. So. Uh, We just have to make sure that we tap into that part of Allah that's in us so that the Allah can we can have uh, an effective form of communication. And, you know, but that's definitely how Allah communicates. Uh, Brother Lakeem said, asking, what is the connection to UFOs, the nation of Islam to Trump's space force? I don't know what that is. So you would probably be best for that. Space force is this thing Trump has been talking about. Uh, shortly after he got in office, obviously some of his advisors kind of hip Trump to what's really going on with the so-called UFO phenomena, as they do with most presidents. Once they get in office, they give the presidents the lowdown. Like, look, here's the deal: these things are real. This is what happened. Blah 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 blah. But you can't say anything about it. Mm-hmm. So, uh, shortly after Trump got in office, he talked about uh, developing a, I think, six wing of the military called Space Force that focuses on defending America 
from basically outer space forces. Mm. What the heck is that? You see? <laughs> so, and this is a challenge that pretty much all the presidents since Roosevelt uh, have been challenged with. Um, how are we going to deal with these crafts, uh, these wheels that are obviously in the world? How are we going to deal with these crafts that are eons of time more superior than anything than um, America or any world military's intelligence is capable of doing? How are we going to deal with these planes that can fly over the White House, fly over the Capitol building with impunity? You know, what can we do about these planes that we can't even catch that can shut down our military installations as they have been doing since the 40s? And this is on record, by the way. These wheels have been interfering with uh, world military um, weapon sites and nuclear weapon sites and military installations. And just to show that they are way far superior than anything that this world's militaries thinks they can do. You see these wheels and this is documented, you know, by military militaries that the wheels or these circular crafts disc-shaped objects, as they call them, have been interfering with uh, government and military um, weaponry. So um, there, there's nothing they can do about that. This is just proof that uh, there's a power in the world far wiser, far more advanced, far superior than any of the conventional wisdom and technologies and militaries of this world. And we argue that that power that has been manifested in the world is directly connected to the nation of Islam, particularly the Honorable Elijah Muhammad and the Honorable Minister Farrakhan. There it is. So the documentary, what is the, the, the purpose of the documentary? Uh, what are you looking to share uh, you know, with the purpose of this documentary? Well, we started with the book and part of the reason for the book and our research and traveling, talking and teaching about this subject is to defend the truth of the nation of Islam and challenge the world to contest this truth that the Honorable Elijah Muhammad met God in person, met Allah in person. That is the most controversial, perhaps religious statement on earth, because all of your faith traditions, all of your religions, all of your schools of thoughts, even all of your political ideologies totally go against the notion that God, one, would even appear in person, you know, let alone teach and raise up a child of slaves to be his messenger messiah, you see? So the nation of Islam is in a very distinct position and we're challenging the world on what we believe and recognize. And we're not challenging the world in terms of you believe this, I believe this. No, we are challenging the scholars of the world to observe, critique, this body of knowledge called the teachings of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad and measure it, evaluate it and critique it the same way you would any other 
academic or scientific body of knowledge. We're not limited to some religious beliefs or uh, religious interpretations. So part of what we notice is that the whole world seems to run from us when it comes to dealing with this subject, particularly the world of so-called leaders and scholars. How is it that the Honorable Minister Farrakhan and the Nation of Islam have been talking about these things before there was even a UFO phenomena and challenging the world about this truth, but nobody wants to seem to talk about it? Even the minister's staunchest critics, and Lord knows he has the most powerful of critics who control media, they control politics, finance, banking. They call him everything they want to, but they can't call him a liar. And you would think that as much as Minister Farrakhan talks about his direct connection to these wheels and the powers thereof, none of his critics even challenge him on that. And it's like, whoa, are, are, they, are they too afraid? I say they are because they know that this is a truth that buses up all of their game. You hear all these documentaries, you hear all these books, read these books about UFOs and everybody's giving their theories and narratives and totally overlooking the source that brought this truth to the modern world. So we think it's time it's necessary that the world needs to know the truth. And if they're not going to read the book to get the truth, and since they're not going to study the Honorable Minister Farrakhan or challenge him or even challenge us as his representatives on this truth, then we think it's best to go ahead and do a docu-series where we control the narrative and tell you the truth about this thing that we brought to the world. That would be almost like people talking about the bean pies. And there's a whole world of people talking about bean pies and documentaries on the history of the bean pies, but you want to exclude the nation of Islam. Mm. That's just how absurd it is for people to leave out and overlook the nation of Islam who brought the truth about these so-called UFOs to the world. So we're like, man, to hell with all of these mainstream channels who've been avoiding us mainstream platforms who've been trying to silence our work. We're, we've decided, look, we'll raise what we need and we're going to do a docu-series ourselves exposing the truth. There it is. So if y'all want to support the documentary, the link is in the bio. Uh, if you're listening on the podcast, the link will be in the bio there as well. And if you're watching live on YouTube, the link is pinned to the top. Just click the GoFundMe link if you're watching on Facebook. As soon as this live is over with, you will be able to go to the top of the caption of the description and click that link as well. So for those who uh, want to stay in touch with you, buy your book, support your, uh, your, your, uh, your website and just keep up with the updated news uh, that you have about the Nation of Islam. I think you do a great job at defending against the ADL as well. How can they find you on social media? Uh, well, our website for starters is nationbrothers.com. And we are starting again to try to keep um, our website filled with content, um, many of our video content, as well as our books and resources. As you know, Brother Ben, and you're no stranger to this, uh, YouTube, Facebook and many of the other platforms uh, have strategically um, worked to limit the reach 
of the content that we put out on behalf of the Honorable Minister Farrakhan. They already blocked his Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and all of that type of stuff, removed some of his videos. And they've done the same thing with uh, with me and my videos and um, posts and things like that. So those who control the algorithms, they have significantly worked to limit the reach of what we do. But we're still on social media nonetheless. You can reach us at Ilya Rashad uh, on Twitter, uh, Instagram, and Facebook. Ilya Rashad, that's I-L-I-A-R-A-S-H-A-D. And uh, we're excited about this project, brother. And I'll tell you, brother Ben, I thank you tremendously. I was telling you earlier as we were about to log on, this household of mine, we're all fans of Brother BNX, man. Hey, we, we love some BNX. We're very proud of you. We love your representation of uh, wisdom, of youthfulness, and just the beauty of the teachings of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad and the guidance of Minister Farrakhan on the main stage. So we thank Allah for you, and you continue to keep up doing what you're doing, big brother. Yes, sir. I thank you as well. Well, we look forward to having you back. Uh, anytime you want to come back on the platform, just let me know. And we look forward to the docu-series, sir. Indeed, indeed. Thanks a lot, my brother. Love you, soldier. Yes, sir. Love you, too. Assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum salam. All right, y'all. Um, that is it, man. That is the 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 the, the documentary promo man come on man we got to support this man everybody's talking about the ufos it's all over instagram it's on facebook let's support the brother click the link that's in the description and let's do uh the gofundme and truly so uh show support and the power of unity you know um you may not have a hundred thousand fifty thousand twenty thousand ten thousand but if uh if the masses of us put something in ten a dollar give our use our platform to promote it do something then we can do something uh, for ourselves and do something for our own, uh, especially if it's going to represent and support a nation that has been supporting us over 80 years. You may not agree with everything, but you cannot say that work hasn't been put in. You cannot say that lives have not have not been transformed. You cannot say that lives have not been uh, lifted, uplifted. So thank everybody for supporting the platform and supporting the brother if you are donating. And if you would like to donate to support this platform, you can do so via Cash App, dollar sign, Brother Ben X. And another big salute to Brother Jacoby Muhammad, who was a part of setting up this interview. Thank you, Brother Malcolm Flex, for sending over the contact. And, uh, man, I look forward to this docuseries and everything that the nation and our people as a whole have to offer. With that being said... Uh, Assalamu alaikum and y'all have a blacktastic day. Peace.